All right, folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. And Psychic Tom with the Crystal Ball Shining. Alrighty. I almost bought Tom a Crystal Ball last week while I was in Maine. On the way, <laughs> on the way to New Hampshire, but I uh, figured, uh, I don't know if, he'd, uh, if it was an approved Tom Paget Psychic Crystal Ball <coughs> or not, so <laughs> I didn't buy it. Anyway. Um, big news this week, New York has finally pulled their heads out of their asses and legalized mixed martial arts, the final state to do so, and uh, of course, all the promotions have since put out press releases saying they're excited about it and uh, bringing their events out there. Of course, the big one would be the, the UFC, obviously, but um, Bellator are also pretty excited about this development, and... Uh, of course, uh, the Fertitas are happy that the uh, the unions <laughs> were finally defeated in this one, because that was said to be the big force uh, preventing this for years and years. And then, how would you like to be a fly on the wall in Sheldon Silver's uh, newsroom when he was sitting there uh, and aiding sentencing? <laughs> so we can't say a fly on the wall in his cell yet. But, no. Uh, <laughs> just another, another, little, another little zinger. In the life of Sheldon Silver. Poor guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see some some uh, distraught union members with big signs. Free Sheldon Silver. <laughs> yes, yeah. Plus, yeah. the money will be, the money will be, you know? Right. Exactly. exactly. You know, it makes me think, you know, about 20 years ago, uh, when Mike Tyson first got out of prison, uh, from against Peter McNeely, and then he was prepping for his second fight, uh, which was going to be in December against Buster Mathis Jr. And, and I think Donald Trump was trying to get involved in that one somehow. Because I know they wanted to have it in Atlantic City. Um, but the governor, of Atlantic, or the governor of New Jersey at the time, um, I believe Jim McGreevy, refused to license the rapist. Hmm. And, you know, you know, hey, well, I mean, whatever. Um, you know, I'm glad the governor felt, you know, that was his responsibility to oversee the sports commission and their licensing, uh, but he refused to let Mike Tyson compete in the state of New Jersey. Um, and then, did you think about it? Because, you know, you know who took the, you know who took money? Philadelphia. Because, here's my thing, uh, my thought was a businessman. You bring Mike Tyson to Atlantic City, a second flight out of prison, you know you also bring to Atlantic City? People. People that are going to stay in your casinos. People that are going to buy tickets. People that are going to have to eat. People that are going to gamble. Right, right, right. And what does all that equal? Money for your city. Money for your state. You got hotel rooms, food, uh, rental cars, um, you know, restaurants. Everybody would benefit out of that. But, yes, sir. You know what? Hey, we took, we took it. Well, uh, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on about uh, both boxing and mixed martial arts. Uh, we did miss a week here because of my trip to Maine. I'm now a member of Team Berserkers up there in Maine. No, why? And, uh, I, I love the name. Rumford, uh, Maine is their their home. It's a very uh, low key town uh, city. In the shadows of the paper mill and the uh, the Androscoggin River, there goes right down through the town. Big falls and 
Got some new pictures on my Facebook of uh, Paul Bunyan there greeting people on the way. Yeah, I saw so uh, apropos for me, you know, I got the Paul Bunyan statue right down the street from the gym. So <laughs> lots of stuff fitting in good for me. I'm supposed to be going up to a place called Dexter, Maine on April 1st. But you might be able to tell I'm a little bit under the weather from uh, some kind of Maine funk I brought back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going on up there, but uh, man, it's been like a week's full of sickness since I got back. So. Trying to shake that and uh, get the weight off. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully the big target date right now is May. Sometime in May they're going to have a, uh, an event down in Hyannis, Massachusetts, Cape Cod. And uh, I'd like to be on that card. Uh, I know a lot of kids that uh, I worked with over this last week were trying to get on the April 23rd card. But uh, I'm not really gunning for that right now. Uh, even though that is in Maine, it would be a little bit closer where I train up there, but uh, I'd probably be able to get a lot more of my friends to go if it was in Hyannis, and they just happened to be doing one in Hyannis, so I reached out to them, so we're going to work on that. If not, then uh, maybe September sometime. We'll see. But uh, I feel good about uh, the practice that I did get in. The, the guys up there are pretty decent uh, people. They're all, uh, a lot of them from military background, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but uh, really not a whole lot of uh, professional people there in that one particular gym, so I'm probably going to try to move around a little bit to different gyms, which will help me in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I'm excited about it. I think, uh, you know, I shook a little bit of rust off. I did some sparring. I felt good. And uh, I got my big compliment from the coach there who's got... Uh, fairly decent record as a pro up there as a mixed martial artist he said uh, he's, he's was pretty impressed with my hands he liked my hooks so uh, he actually invited me to go to the sparring thing on April 1st no fooling <laughs> so we'll see how that goes well, let, me, let me ask you that first because I know you say you know during the boxing days uh, you are the bread and butter everything was set up after your job now that you're doing more of like a mixed martial arts training um, are you feel that you're not using your job as much, or are you using that to um, keep guys at bay and then setting up your, you know, you take down to your strikes? Well, I haven't really mixed anything together yet. <clears throat> See, when I sparred, it's always been just boxing in the gym there. Yeah, I was only actually training for, like, four days straight, so it was like an hour and a half a day, and then a lot of that was lessons, so I really only sparred a couple times and at very limited speeds so more than anything i'm getting used to uh not having shoes on while i'm trying to box yeah, really. because i got a blister the first day uh and i found out why guys tape their toes <laughs> uh but yeah it's a little bit different and then um obviously the uh the sparring that we're going to do on april 1st is going to be a little bit more intense it's going to be with different teams not just our team so it's going to be a little bit more with the kicks and stuff I'm going to have to mix in. And funny thing is, my, one of my buddies really wants to get get into uh, training to fight. He's a lot older than I am. He's about 10 years older than I am. And uh, he had a situation with his uh, girlfriend. Uh, turned out to be ex-girlfriend pretty quick. Um, uh -huh. Kind of, he found out she's basically using him to uh, get shit done and have her dogs. You know, she's got a bunch of dogs, so... He had him build this dog pen in his uh, side yard of a storage area where he lives. He lives over the storage 
warehouse basically it's his apartment so <laughs> the other day we just uh, whipped out the dog toys and uh, we fought in the cage literally <laughs> the dog cage <laughs> Yeah, just fucking around with a little bit more of the wrestling and, uh, you know, light strikes and stuff. So it was kind of fun. And the dog pound. <laughs> uh, so just basically, you know, I'm just trying to get into, get into the mix of um, doing more than just one thing, which is going to be the toughest part. I do remember a lot of the wrestling. I find myself going for, like, the head throw move a lot. Which I never actually did a lot in wrestling, but every now and then it was like, you know, the emergency move that would get me a pin or catch a guy off guard on the feet. But um, the toughest thing for me is going to be the jiu-jitsu because I really don't know anything about it except for what I watch on TV. Uh, as far as actually trying to go for submissions and defend against submissions, I have no clue, so... All that's to come. That's why you have a training camp, and that's why you have lessons. So, uh, Rich, how you doing on checking those leg kicks? I actually do pretty decent at that. It's very instinctive for me to kind of pick my foot up and block any kind of knees or kicks coming my way. Um, I think I'll be good with that. Yeah, that, are, that's a mistake a lot of uh, traditional martial artists make is they try to block those kicks with their hands uh, because in a lot of traditional... Uh, tournaments, you don't get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and and there's nothing like getting punched in the mouth a few times to realize don't drop your hands. Right. So um, if, if, if the whole key is to try to get that bone against bone, because if your opponent's getting that chin bone on your thigh and getting bone on muscle, that's trouble. Right. Sounds like you got that one down pretty good. And on submission defense, just don't put you, don't extend your arms too much. It's instinctive to do that. And it's hard not to, but I'm sure you'll get better. Yeah, I did have myself put in an arm bar, not, uh, you know, full speed or anything, but just to know how it felt, you know, because I've told the story a hundred times about how I saw a kid get put in one, and uh, I asked him, what's what's so painful about an arm bar, and grabbed my <laughs> finger and bent it back and said, uh, does that hurt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's what an arm bar feels like. Okay. Note to self. Now, and, and, and under the amateur rules, uh, are leg locks allowed? Yeah, all the submissions are allowed. Um, all the kicks are allowed, believe it or not. Kicks to the head included. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just no knees to the head and no elbows, period. Uh, and that's main rules. So I actually have not taken the time to look up Massachusetts rules yet. They might be a little bit different. but. Um, uh, okay, so in other words, you couldn't even... Knee someone uh, coming in to shoot for a double. Not in the head. I could knee him in the body. Ooh. Just not in the head. Oh yeah, that 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 would um, that would be challenging. <laughs> the challenging well, part for me is no elbows, because I've been perfecting my elbows, and you know that's like my secret weapon. But there's so, nothing like know. a knee, nothing like a knee to the, the jaw, for instant knockout on that takedown defense. Right. And then, uh, uh, but all, you say all leg locks are legal, including heel hooks. Yes. Right? Yep. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Yes, sir. Um, there's some stories we got to get to this week, of course. We've got uh, some news. We've got some big event stuff. Uh, last week, of course, was big UFC fight. 
uh, Mark Hunt versus Frank Mir was the main event, and uh, it was pretty uneventful, uh, unless you call the walk-off knockout <laughs> uneventful. Well, it was uh, pretty much, to me, it looked like Frank Mir was not taking it seriously at all. Did not look like the type of Frank Mir that was thinking about strategy at all. He was just thinking, wow, I mean, I can't believe this guy looks better than me out here. <laughs> I can't even get a punch in. Uh, just totally sloppy boxing. No takedowns, really. I mean, he went for the weakest takedown attempt I've ever seen him go for in his career. And then uh, Mark Hunt just came over and hit him right behind the air with a right hand, and it was over. Uh, <laughs> And you didn't yeah, hear you, any you, protests. You gotta wonder where, where Mirror's going after this fight. Yeah, to the hospital <laughs> for, <laughs> for a concussion check. And speaking of concussions, uh, we do have a guest on tonight. In about uh, 17 minutes, here we're going to have the creator of Power Plus mouth guards. And I've got to ask him about this because I noticed it on the packaging. I got sent one last week before my uh, final day at uh, the gym. And I wore it and got it fitted and everything like that. But then I'm reading the the card that goes with it, and it says on there that automatically once you get this mouth guard fitted, your power increases 17%. Oh. But you heard that right. When when you get the mouthpiece fitted, your power goes up 17%, which is why they call it the Power Plus. So, okay. um, I'm going to have to ask for a little clarification on this. Cause yeah, <laughs> it sounds a little too good to be true, if you know what I mean. But, uh, we're but I don't know how 17% became agreed upon. Right. Uh, and I guess there is mention of a study, but we're going to have to ask the doctor about this. Dr. Hutchinson will be on the show to talk about his invention here. It's actually designed also to... Um, prevent concussions uh, by a totally revolutionary design in, in the fact that, number one, it goes on your bottom jaw, not your top jaw. And number two, it's designed not so much to prevent your teeth from going through down your throat, but <laughs> it's more to position your jaw in a way that will take the impact better. Uh, and that's what they call the power plus position. Uh, and I do know the jaw is supposed to be the strongest muscle in your body. And if you think about it, like, you know, you can't get a soda bottle top off, but if you clamp down your jaws on it, you'll get it off every time. <laughs> uh, so in some ways that makes sense, but uh, this is a totally different mouthpiece. I've tried it. It's supposed to also help with communication. I don't know whether that so much of is, uh, is the factor there, but uh, I definitely did notice that uh, it puts your jaw in a different position you have to you know be conscious of that get used to it a little bit but it's otherwise it's just like any other mouthpiece and um, you know you get used to wearing it but uh, it's definitely something unique and we'll have to have Dr. Hutchinson explain a little bit more about it later but before we get him on uh, I would like to chat briefly about uh, Holly Holm has come out recently, and uh, this is after I wrote my article. I don't know if Tony read it, but Tom, sure you read my F you to Dana White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open F you to Dana White, basically, this the way it sounds. Uh, I tried to keep it uh, civil, as in, you know, no F bombs, literally, just, you know, EFF -F instead of F U C K. <laughs> 
And uh, I just went off. I just basically what I've been saying on the show for years and years. That this guy is not a fighter. He's in no position to be giving people fighter advice and career advice here. Uh, and this is credit to Holly Holm. She didn't just let other people say, you know, where the hell is this coming from, Dana White? Because you promoted this fight. You know, you, you had every opportunity to make sure this, this fight didn't happen if you didn't want it to happen. And uh, you're bitching about it because it happened now, and Misha won, and you don't want to give her the time of day. So I went off on him, and then I was so pleasantly surprised to read that Holly Holm um, went to bat for herself on this one. Yeah, good for her. And um, here's the pretty much what pissed me off. These are the exact quotes from Dana White. He says, The sad part about the whole thing is, and listen... Talking about Fresquez, uh, uh, Lenny Fresquez, who is Holly Holmes' manager, she, he says, uh, White says, he's an old boxing guy who thinks he's smart and he isn't. The thing I feel bad about is I feel bad for Holly because I don't know if Holly really knows what she lost. I think she has so much faith in the people that surround her, she feels like, well, they've got me here. We had this meeting and Holly wasn't even in it. Holly, that's your life. You should be in that meeting. Don't leave it to this people, this guy. Oh, my God. Uh, and he also added, listen, Holly made a lot of money. Yeah. Holly ma made a lot of money. She accomplished great things. She beat Ronda Rousey, but it could have been so much bigger for her. The sad part is, I don't think she even knows. So, okay, but, but the question is very simple. What the hell did she do wrong? Exactly. She defended her belt against a worthy contender who was on a five-fight win streak. She didn't what, wait. what am I missing? She didn't wait for Ronda Rousey. That's Dana's beef. He he wanted her to wait for Ronda Rousey. He thought that maybe she would be more recovered from the first fight. Maybe that she would uh, be in a better position to win the rematch than going up against a completely different fighter. And um, basically, his point is that Fresquez shouldn't have been in there by himself. Holly should have been sitting right next to him. But if she is entrusting him and, you know, believes that he's going to do right by her, why does she need to be there? Her job is to go train. Uh, so, so, he, so he's implying that she's just a complete airhead. Yeah, basically. Like, she, she doesn't know how to run but, her own but, career. But, but she, that she, is, she is powerless. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not getting it. Furthermore, hell could freeze over before Ronda comes back. If she comes back. Right, and yeah. her, her exact words in response to White were, uh, were, all that is false, she said. I've always said I wanted to fight, and there still has been no sure time that Ronda's going to be back. So they said there's all this money coming in for that fight, but what if that fight doesn't even happen? Then what are you waiting for? Nothing. You only make money off that fight if it's actually going to happen, and I don't know what's going to happen. Number one, I don't fight for money. I only fight because I'm passionate about it. And so if we don't know if she'd be back right away, we thought, well, let's get another fight going. Um, so that's... And, and, you, and, you know, you have to wonder how Misha feels about that. I mean, what a slap in the face to her. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and it's... I think the, the number one motivation for White saying all this crap is that he is so pissed off that now he has to deal with Misha Tate on a professional level. He was getting ready to throw her out of the UFC if she lost this fight, I think. And, and you know, her fans would have been pissed, but hey, that's what you get for talking smack about me and, you know, acting like I don't give you enough respect, even though I don't. <laughs> that's what yeah. he's thinking, you know. So, 
she said, uh, Holly said for her part also, I definitely said I wanted another fight. I said I wanted to fight sooner rather than later. So 100% that was me. That was my decision. They've never even ever made me take a fight without my blessing. Nobody in my camp has ever told me to do something one way or the other. It doesn't matter. That's something I said I wanted to do. I wanted to fight. And that's perfect because right there in the middle of my article, I, I basically made the point, hey, Dana, if you were a fighter, you would know. That's what fighters do. That's what they want to do. They want to fight. <laughs> so it's perfect that she came out there. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to fight. And, um, of course, she's looking at it as, you know, you're not only disrespecting me, but you're disrespecting my representative. Uh, he's looking out for my best interests, so, um, you know, they're, he's, Dana White goes out there and puts him down for things that he's working hard for to help her. Uh, she said she wanted to fight, and that's the bottom line. She says, uh, for me, it, I don't really care what people say about me, but I do care when people are neg negative about the people around who I love and who support me. So, yeah, it's frustrating because it was something that I wanted, and it's something I wanted, and it's something that Fresk has pushed for. He said, Holly wants to fight. That wasn't him saying that. That was me. He was speaking on my behalf. So I don't like when people think he, he's pushing me to do things against my will. That was my wish. That was what I wanted. So, fuck you, Dana White. You don't know what I want. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, F you, Dana White. It's a big article. And uh, I even linked to his mother's interview that we did, who confirmed for us all that uh, Dana has never had a competitive fight of his own. Not one single fight. And I also linked to the audio of Dana at that uh, apropos time during the uh, Ultimate Fighter taping when he said, uh, oh, you might as well have me in your corner or somebody else who knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was perfect. That was perfect for this article. Um, but it's just one of those things where... You know, here it is, the UFC is, uh, they got uh, two big news stories, new directions to go because they've had things go not the way they expected. And instead of embracing that and saying, okay, you know, this is the, uh, the best job in the world that I have here, Dana White uh, has to go and bitch and moan about it. And, and act like, uh, oh, we should have done it another way, so this never happened. No, no, you're going to take what you're given and deal with your champions and the guy who won the other fight, the main event. And uh, it, basically, you got to look at the bright side. And obviously, it's not going to be fun dealing with a Nate Diaz who now has some microphones in front of him and can speak his mind. <laughs> but hey, you know that's why you're the mouthpiece. You gotta you gotta go right back at him and try to deal with him and handle him. Uh, while we're on that topic, Rich, real quick, did you catch him on the UFC tonight last night? I saw clips of it where he said that, you know, the title picture is just a fantasy. I'm just going for big money fights now. And yeah. I think there's definitely going to be a rematch between him and Connor. That's pretty much a done deal. But uh, we don't know if it's going to be at 170 or 155. That's the only question. You know, he, it's almost the feeling that when he gives interviews, like they're waking him up in the middle of the night. And he's kind of annoyed. <laughs> you know, it's just he's kind of wiping the cobwebs out of his eyes. And he tried to get some of these uh, one or two no, one or two word answers or 
gets out a, a total, uh, what's, what's the phrase, ad hominem uh, rant. <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. But at the same time, you know, he does... He does have that chip on his shoulder for the rest of the fighters like him. And, and he's not like Connor where he's out there in your face being disrespectful just because he wants to be an asshole right. and he wants to get cameras on him and, and money. Well, I agree. I he is you. the type of guy that's doing it for the whole community and getting riled up for everybody else who won't stick their neck out because they can't. Uh, so that's what I like about it, this development is because Dana White now has his match. Not only does Conor McGregor have his match, but Dana White now has to deal with this guy head on. And, and he doesn't like to when Nate is on an equal footing. Uh, it was easy before when he could just laugh Nate off and say, you know, well, he's going to get his ass kicked his next two fights and I can just throw him out. No, you can't do that now. He is, he's on top of the world here. And that's the, the problem the UFC has had a lot in these last few years, is people who become bigger than the promotion. And it's happened with Ronda Rousey. It's happened with John Jones. Now we're just... Guy doesn't even have a belt it's happening with. So I love to see that kind of stuff. I can't wait to see more. Uh, another story we didn't get to talk about last couple weeks, even though it's been in the news, is uh, Chris Lieben. Uh, getting the bad news that he cannot compete in Bellator because his heart is all messed up. They had to do four EKGs to believe it, but apparently his a part of his heart is only operating at 18%. And all the doctors cannot believe it because he's doing all the physical stuff fine. He feels like he's in the best shape of his life. He's practicing like nothing's wrong. But, uh, you know, he should be having problems going up steps uh somehow he's adapted to it i guess but um his basic uh theory here is that it had a lot to do with his drug abuse and alcohol alcohol abuse so so he's not medically cleared he's lost his license no he's not going to be able to compete uh, but the good news is he did just come out with a book uh about his uh experience in mixed martial arts and life and all that and uh you know, judging from the way he fought in the cage, I would think his uh, crazy life of doing painkillers and drugs and alcohol uh, is just as adventurous, if not even more. Uh, but he's got a great uh, story. Uh, did, did, did he get into his uh, prognosis? Is there any chance he's going to recover? Uh, not enough to fight, I don't think. But uh, Oh, my God. I think that uh, he can learn to live with it. Uh, but the, he, the most... Uh, amazing thing that I got from this article was his description of getting off of Suboxone. And uh, I, haven't, uh, I haven't dealt with this drug myself. I know my cousin has had issues with uh, Oxycontins. And a former roommate of mine had, uh, had a girlfriend who had prescriptions for Suboxones because she was trying to get off Oxycontin. So I've loosely been familiar with it, but I never knew it was that bad to get off of once you're on it. Uh, and this is a pretty crazy part of the story. Uh, he says he's 100% drug and alcohol free, but uh, I do remember him getting an exemption for a fight to use Suboxone prior to the fight. Uh, and this is supposed to be the alternative to Oxycontin, right? The, the methadone for cocaine, basically. This is the, the Oxycontin version of methadone. Um, but the... 
withdrawals and the night sickness and sweats and puking every single night that this guy had to deal with to get off of this substitute drug is ridiculous. Uh, and then uh, he says after he got out of re rehab and they put him on this Suboxone, he says everybody I know that takes that drug, their blood pressure shoots through the roof. Uh, and he said it wasn't about until about nine months ago I was finally able to quit it. And he said it's the hardest drug to come off of in the world. You can Google it. It's a horrible failure rate, and it was a nightmare coming off of this. And um, he said, I wanted so badly to just be somewhat of an example with the book out and with my new lifestyle, come back, fight, and do well, and use that to hopefully inspire people. Unfortunately, I ran a little too hard for a little too long. I think the Suboxone and training hard on top of it, I was taking, taking it a while. Taking it while I was fighting in the UFC, the hard training with that, your blood pressure's high, and when you train, it only gets higher. So, yeah, he's, he's been to four different cardiologists. One of them was saying, you might need a heart transplant. You might need to get you on that list for a heart transplant. Another one said, well, this is attributable to training too hard, but with the consumption of alcohol. I think if you never drink again and you take the medicine we're going to give you, take it easy in the gym, then you can heart, your heart can have somewhat of a recovery. So, we don't know. But the huge weight cuts, he adds, is another thing. He blew out his thyroid cutting weight, so he has to take thyroid medication for the rest of his life. Uh, so it is a little bit of an insight into, you know, what what fighting does to your body, too, in addition to all these other extracurricular things he was doing. Uh, but, yeah, an athlete that is on that level is going to have a different body than a lot of other people. <clears throat> and a lot, of, uh, a lot of former athletes end up with heart trouble. Big-time heart trouble. <clears throat> so if you um, if you're uh, wondering why uh, Chris Lieben is not going to be on any uh, Bellator cards coming up, that's why. Well, while you figure out the math, I just want to thank you guys for your comments on my video. You're welcome. Yeah, that uh, that dog almost talks. <laughs> I mean, I can just see that personality. I mean, and, and you know, people wonder if dogs have emotions. Oh, yeah. If anyone doubts that, they will be pointed to that video. Well, he definitely had a personality. And he definitely had emotion. Like, if I told him we were going for a ride, yeah, he got excited. When if I went outside to start my car and he didn't come out with me, he thought I was leaving him. And there was great sadness. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they get pretty smart. I mean, it was kind of funny because uh, I spent that whole week with the the uh, golden retriever there and then uh, the day I get back the next day I go uh, to the park with uh, one of my friends and we get to this point on the beach of the lake and there's three golden retrievers all together <laughs> with one lady and they're all about the same size I was like wow I guess that's trying to tell me that I want one of these dogs <laughs> yeah, dog. yeah. And they all had great temperaments. They each yeah. had their own bad habits. One was a rock hound, literally. He was carrying around a rock. The other was the ball dog. And, and the other one was just the one who stayed right by the owner's side at all times. <laughs> well, um, when we went out, the, well, when we could get for a walk, my dad never really leashed them because we'd be at the park or whatever. And we knew most of the people there. My dad, because I walked 
three laps at the park, which is about a little over about a mile and maybe like a mile and three quarters. He's like, they will walk six miles during that time to get back and forth and up and down and run here and sniff this and go back here. Um, well, I'll tell you, the one funny story was when, we were, when he was about not even a year old, we were getting ready to build the deck um, in my backyard. My uncle was coming to build it. So we were going to dig the post where they were going to put the concrete pillars and they had to be inspected. So me and my dad decided to do it on a Saturday. They were going to come inspect it on Monday. Hottest Saturday in August, 100 degrees. And we're out there and we're hitting shale. And we're hitting over the digging bar and we're just breaking big pieces of slate and shale. And we're, you know, we're trying to get, you know, the necessary 36 inches. And then when Jimmy comes out, we let him out to get in the bathroom. He walks over to where we have these big rocks and, you know, broken pieces of slate and shale dug out. He's just picking them up and dropping them back in the hole. <laughs> I like how he duck hunts. That's that was the funniest part for me. He goes swimming yeah. into the pond after the duck and follows him all the way to the shore. <laughs> then gets out and runs after him until it flies away. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to do. He tried to do it stealthily. <laughs> All right, we're going to get uh, Dr. Hutchinson on here, Power Plus Mouth Guard. We're going to get to the bottom of this mystery. How come I'm 17% more powerful? Good evening, it's Dr. Hutchinson. Hello, doctor. Um, we were just talking earlier on the show about uh, your product. I did get it myself, tried it out. And um, my big question um, that... I think we're all trying to get an answer to is where does the power increase come from where it says on the package you get 17% more power just by fitting this mouth guard? Well, this is uh, using a body physiology uh, jaw position. Uh, most uh, mouth guards that you're used to, uh, standard mouth guards that were invented in 1950 are just boil and bite. Uh, yeah, the subject just takes it, warms it up, puts it in their mouth, and bites down wherever they want to. Uh, and that's fine for a tooth protector, but it doesn't do anything to correct the discrepancy of, of neurophysiology that uh, 95% of us have. So if you change and, and do a different technique, putting your jaw in its physiologic rest position, that does not disrupt any nerve conduction and your muscles get 100% of the information to, to contract. And thus, on the average, each person might gain 16%, you 16 16.8, 17% increase in strength efficiency. So everybody's different. And that's the, that's the real secret and beauty of Power Plus is that it actually is customized to each individual as opposed to what's out there now. And that's just, you know, uh, same thickness for everybody. So you get the same mouth guard for every different person. So that's where you the strength increase has been shown is that when you uh, realign your body, you actually gain strength that you're not using it doesn't give you any more strength from right. from outside your body but you're not using 
call that you have uh-huh. because of this uh, this little discrepancy in anatomy and physiology that we all carry around. Well, we also have uh, Psychic Tom Paget on the call and Tony the Tornado Penical. Hey, what are you doing, Doctor? Good evening. And um, we like to um, ask anybody. Uh, we get on the show. How did you get started with all this? Um, where, where did you come up with the concept? Well, I've been doing this for 17 years, and uh, it came out of treating headache, chronic migraine patients. And one of the diagnostic tools we use is uh, fatigue, chronic fatigue, and uh, strength testing. That's part of this malady of uh, migraines and chronic headaches. Uh, so when you cure that by by correcting the jaw position, the headaches not only go away, but uh, the, the patients would report less fatigue, and they would say that they were stronger. And so I started to test that in a physical way and found that that was true, that uh, physiologic jaw position did unleash extra strength that you had in your body that you didn't know about. And by putting your jaw in that position, each person would improve their strength, their balance. Part of that comes from the balance. Uh, there was just a study that was published just recently showing increased oxygen intake with a lower uh, physiologic positioning mouth guard. And so uh, I think part of the strength uh, increase in performance and balance comes from increased oxygen available to the brain and muscles. So that's, a, that's a part of this whole thing. But uh, I continued to study it and, uh, and found that uh, it, was, it was predictable and you could correlate uh, physiologic jaw position with uh, increase in strength and balance and thus performance. There's an added part of it that I didn't know until later on, and that's uh, separating your joint uh, into its passive rest position um, dissipates the forces from uh, concussions out into your face and doesn't allow it to go up in the brain. So we have uh, a study that we've been doing the last 12 years and puts the concussion incidence at 0.026%, which is virtually zero. If you wear a, a mouth appliance that puts your jaw in its physiologic rest position, and Power Plus is the only one that can do that, it's patented, and there's no other mouth guard on the planet that can legally put your jaw in its physiologic rest position. All right. Well, I have a secret weapon then. I, and now it's kind of like I don't want to tell everybody about it, even though I do want to help you, right? <laughs> well, yeah, see, now you're tracking with it. Uh, that's, that's the truth. But, uh, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, it's, every day goes on, there's new discoveries being done about everything. And, um, and this is just one of them. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because uh, like I said, in 1950, the American Dental Association said you should be wearing a mouth guard in, in sports, and uh, this is what it should be like. 65 years later, it's the same exact thing. Right. 
and we we go around as a as a uh, population and say that you know mouth guards are perfect and they're they'll never be any better and which is of course untrue uh, because now we have a, a mouth appliance that uses body physiology and makes everything better it's kind of like when we used to ride horses and now we drive cars we don't ride horses anymore hmm. so yeah, it's a, it's definitely a unique concept. I noticed uh, the fitting is a little bit different. There's a lot more to it. You have to read up on it and uh, you know do everything a little bit differently than uh, the normal mouth guard process. Uh, but uh, it yes, it's, uh, there's, it, there's a little technique, but it's very easy to do. It's not difficult at all. Instead of physically biting, you just swallow, and that that's involuntary action we all do 2,500 times a day is what puts your jaw in its physiologic jaw position. So uh, you just do that and uh, then you go out and play and uh, everything's improved. Yeah, and the other thing is um, I never used to do it too much when I boxed, uh, but now that I'm coming back to mixed martial arts, I was encouraged uh, at the first practice when you wear your mouth guard you should have it in all practice, not just for when you're sparring, so you can get used to it. And yours actually gives you a better reason to do that because it's going to help your balance and your power. Uh, in yeah. addition to just and one, one thing too that's really people find about wearing the Power Plus is that since it's on the lower teeth, not the upper, it kind of rests underneath your your tongue, and so you can talk normally and uh, you breathe normally. There's no obstruction whatsoever, so you get maximum um, oxygen intake, and it's out of the way. So it's really the most comfortable mouth guard that you could possibly wear because it's just sort of out of the way. Right. Now, have you done anything with uh, any uh, big-time athletes in combat sports at all, or are you trying to focus more on football-type stuff? Well, I started with football, but... As uh, things evolved, uh, what sport wouldn't you need to be stronger and better balanced? And so this this uh, branches out into every sport. I do have some uh, MMA fighters that are currently uh, sponsored by Power Plus. One has a big fight coming up. His name is Daniel Gallimore. He goes by the name of Big Kansas. All right. Um, and then there's... Uh, there's a woman MMA fighter. Her name is Brianna Fisori. She um, fights from Hawaii. She goes by the name Pink Ranger. So uh, there's several other people who are um, starting to wear Power Plus, and uh, every one of them have great things to say about it. Uh, because it's really um, the new generation of, of mouth guards, and uh, it does so much for you. So, yeah, we have that, and we have I have uh, NFL players wearing it. I've got uh, Major League Baseball players embracing the technology. All sports, all different kinds, golf. Well, I'll tell uh, you, if it makes a baseball player uh, hit 17% harder, you're going to have a lot of guys uh, switching over. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a, there's a, 
a trainer, his name's uh, Puni from Hawaii, and he's a uh, Samoan um, martial arts instructor, fighter. He fights MMA. And he told me that uh, he was sparring with somebody, and he, he uh, kicked him in the chin, and he said he was knocked out. And uh, he says, I know I was knocked out because uh, when I opened my eyes, I was looking up and people were looking down at me. <laughs> and he said, and I, I got up. He said, I got up. I was wearing my Power Plus. No problem. Uh, no concussion. And uh, he said, I felt, I felt fine. And uh, I just kept on going. <laughs> there you go. So uh, there you go. And um, what would you say was the uh, the most difficult thing about getting this uh, to from you know design to product? Well, uh, I'd say the most difficult challenge that I have. Uh, there's two things. One is it's it's a uh, goes against the grain of, of tradition, so people aren't used to it. And so uh, they don't know kind of what to do about it. And the other bigger challenge, I guess, is uh, for a product like this is that nobody knows about it, and it takes so much money and resources to change a 65-year-old tradition that we battle at every day because, you know, everybody I talk to, and I know even you, uh, you're you've had a good experience, and and you just didn't even know about it, and just happened to to get in contact with with me through Twitter, but otherwise you would never have known that uh, this thing existed, right. and would have continued to do what you normally did, and not knowing that you had 17 percent more strength in your body than uh, than you actually do. So. Um, that's the biggest challenge. The, the rest of it was just, you know, step-by-step step, testing, making sure that the theory that I had was really true and uh, having other people and universities tested and, and prove that my theory was, was true and trying to understand the mechanism by which this was, this was taking place. Those are all just kind of research and development that took place over uh, the last 16 years and uh, you know the design was fairly simple I needed to know how to design it so that uh, a seven year old kid could do it himself um, and then so it would make that a, this whole technology available to everyone and that uh, seemed to fall into place but I, I guess I'd say the biggest challenge was is letting people know about it. Yeah, and I imagine... That's, uh, why, I, that's why I'm here tonight, because yeah. this is a great way to just let more and more people know that the mouth guard that they're wearing is only protecting their teeth from fracturing and not helping their body work better. Right. Yeah, that's a very important uh, aspect of this that makes it different. Um <clears throat> Obviously, there's a lot of other companies out there that manufacture different types of the same basic design. Um, 
did you find uh, that uh, getting into the same stores with them and stuff like that is difficult? Well, getting into stores is, is a difficult thing because, uh, especially the large big box stores, they they only consider mail cards uh, one day a year, and if you don't get to them on that day, then you're just not going to have any action until the next year when they when they go through each day of products, and uh, that's one barrier. And then the next barrier is actually getting to the right person. So all these things take uh, money and resources, and uh, that's the biggest struggle with Power Plus right now is that uh, all of those things are coming out of my own pocket. But a lot of things are changing. This is going to be, uh, I believe, the year for Power Plus to break out. We've got a lot of things going on. Um, a lot of universities that are signing up to uh, go with Power Plus in the football programs. And um, from that to the U.S. Army is doing an Army field test, which will uh, get it into the military, which is going to be a huge thing. So um, a lot of things are happening, and this is just one more way to get uh, this information known and have people start trying it. They're going to find out that that uh, they're going to play so much better, and their sport is going to be much, much better for them when they use physiologic job position. Wow, and the other part of this that kind of is the funny part to me is that uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people, once they figure out how well this thing works, they're going to be using it in sports that don't require mouth guards. <laughs> well, absolutely, and see, that's, I'm glad you, you said that because, uh, you know, there are sports that there is a rule, like football, hockey, lacrosse, field hockey, that require, you can't play without wearing a mouth guard. But we're finding also that there's uh, uh, youth sports that are requiring mouth guards, like soccer. Even BMX this year uh, is requiring a mouth guard, or you can't participate. So, uh, like you said, uh, when when you take this new discovery and apply it to your sport, such as basketball or golf or uh, any sport that uh, you normally would not consider wearing a mouth guard, now you're you're going to be wearing a mouth guard because you know that your body is not working 100% efficient unless you're uh, in your physiologic jaw position. And the only way you can do that is by having a device that tells you where that is every time. Even cycling, marathon runners, uh, CrossFit, all those things should be wearing a mouth guard. Even weightlifters, powerlifters, uh, those were one of the first uh, groups that I, I ever worked with as a powerlifter. I have a, uh, an international uh, record of bench press for guys over 60. Uh, my guy holds the record because he put his jaw in a physiologic rest position and went from 398-pound maximum to 525 Ooh. overnight. Wow. So... Uh, Yes, physiologic jaw position is the state of the art, and if if uh, you're if you're an MMA fighter and you're fighting a guy who's got a physiologic jaw position, and you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah, right. 
That's what I'm hoping even for. Arm, even arm wrestlers. Hmm. Uh, you know those those kinds of sports. Uh, hey, if you don't if you don't have your 100 percent efficiency and the other guy does, you're going to get beat. So instead of performance enhancing drugs, people can just use performance enhancing mouth guards. <laughs> Absolutely, and you won't be arrested. Yes, it won't have your results <laughs> overturned. <laughs> That's right. You won't have. You won't lose all your medals. Like if uh, Lance Armstrong had a mouth appliance that gave him extra strength, he wouldn't have been pretty uh, where he is out today. Right. Awesome stuff. Uh, and how can people find you online? Obviously, we found you on Twitter. You've got the website there. Uh, is it powerplusmouthguard.com? Yes, powerplusmouthguard.com. And uh, it has all the information that you would need or want to know. There's videos, there's uh, research data, uh, really good explanation as to how this technology can apply to you, and uh, best of all, uh, how you can order one. Uh, usually in the United States, it takes about two days, and uh, it's, in your, it's in your hands, and then I uh, really recommend that everybody, before they try to fit it that they watch the video on how to do it because it's really different than what you're used to and you'll mess it up if you don't read the instructions and learn the technique it's very easy but watch the video because that will show you exactly how to do it and then you'll get it right yeah and there is uh you know there is a way if you do go off the course there a little bit you can you can reset it in the water and do it again uh, up to five times. I did notice that was on the instructions. Yeah. So. It's, it's forgiving. If you if you mess it up, then you can reheat it and put it back in there and get the technique right. But uh, if you just watch the video, um, you won't mess it up. <laughs> and what's your ultimate goal with this, with the product? I'm sorry? What's your ultimate goal with this product? Well, my ultimate goal is to be like when uh, mouth guards first came on the forefront in 1950. This is uh, my ultimate goal is that everybody uh, plays their sport they love in the physiologic job position. Um, that everybody uses it. Uh, and really, there's no reason why anybody shouldn't use it. And if you want to be uh, frank about it, the, all the mouth guards on the market are just tooth protectors. They don't help your body unless you accidentally get it in the physiologic jaw position just by chance. But you don't know whether you do or not unless you go through the technique. And so I really, I really, uh, I really want everybody to be concussion-free and to uh, play at their best possible ability um, in a physiologic way. That's my goal. Awesome. Uh, is there anybody you want to give a shout-out to, say hello to, or thank, or anything like that? Um, just thank everybody who's, uh, who's Tried Power Plus, and I uh, just want you to tell everybody that you know. And I want to thank uh, Coach Randy Pippen from the UAB football team. He's been instrumental in, in getting the word out 
um, and all of those people that uh, have have worked to get this together. Uh, Wayne State University, who did the initial studies and uh, showed uh, in a scientific way and presented it internationally as a new discovery. Uh, that was a was a really monumental event. So, uh, and I want to thank everybody who. Uh, will continue to do that because this is such an important uh, discovery for sports that uh, everybody needs this to benefit them in the sport that they love to play. Yeah, and I'd like to be an affiliate if you ever come up with an affiliate program because I think I could sell some for you. We do have one. Actually, we do have one, and uh, the person who's administrating that will be contacting you to let you know how to get involved in that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I get so many different uh, advertisement products and stuff like that pitching me on ideas for my website and everything that I've run. You know, it's uh, it's very little in you know very little uh, alignment with the community. You know, especially like with Google Ads, they're just hoping you know they get whatever search that you just made and they they duplicate that with the ad. And it's not going to get everybody. It gets very very little people, but. Something like yours. Everybody's coming to my website for combat sports. A lot of people do it for training, so they're going to see a mouth guard and want to buy it. Especially if it's something different well, that they've never seen before. <laughs> well, good. Thank you. And I uh, uh, just can't emphasize enough. This is uh, an absolute new technology, new discovery, and, and everybody should embrace it because uh, You'll just play better. You'll run faster. You'll run farther. You'll lift weights better. You'll do everything better than you're doing now because of physiologic job position. Well, thank uh, you so much, key. Doctor. You, you certainly have convinced me. Uh, you, this has been a great presentation. It's opened my eyes, and um, it's just really cutting edge. I'm excited. Great. I'll finish, and, uh, make sure you uh, keep me posted. For sure, and uh, right now I've already got my girlfriend looking into uh, proposing it for five different football teams in her uh, county up there in Maine where she does some work with the boosters. Awesome. So um, well, you might be getting a big order. Me. <laughs> She's excited about it, and they're always looking for ways to uh, diminish the concussions, so I Absolutely. think that would be something and, I could uh, put. This is this is definitely uh, something that is easy to do, and anybody can do it. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, such an easy thing for us to just uh, embrace this technology as, uh, uh, all along while we're trying to improve everything about concussions. Just by doing this, we can make a big impact. Uh, and I mean, no, it's not a very... Way. It's not a very hard argument to, to make. I mean, how much does each piece, mouthpiece cost? They're uh, well, basically thirty dollars plus shipping and handling. Twenty nine ninety five on the website. We also have a concussion program that we're studying. Uh, when teams uh, join, they have to have at least thirty, and then they get a five dollar uh, discount on each one for a team over thirty players, and uh, they give us their data for concussions for the season and so. It's a win-win situation. We can continue to study uh, concussions uh, along the way. So, yeah, and that's uh, that's a quite uh, 
quite small investment to make uh, when you consider what it costs medically to deal with concussions. You know, uh, absolutely, it's, it's a hell of an investment. I do, I do have uh, some more elite uh, designs for uh, elite athletes, professionals. That takes a lot of extra work, uh, but in general, it's all uh, physiologic jaw position, uh, and you know. Uh, it's just one thing that uh, is helping everybody. So um, I really appreciate you having me on your show and getting the word out. I think it's going to be uh, one more step into being successful. All right. And we'll get the, uh, the word out on Twitter, Facebook, all our sites. We'll have uh, at some point we'll get uh, with the affiliate guys and we'll have an ad right up on the top of our site somewhere so everybody can see it and uh we'll let you know once the uh, interview gets on the website so you'll have a direct link to it that you can promote to and and uh, we'll be in touch on getting some sold okay appreciate your time thank you you're welcome thank you you, brother you've been great thank you all right so there you have it dr hutchinson power plus mouth guard and uh i guess right on the money uh 17 percent average increase for people uh of power so <clears throat> i wasn't uh <laughs> i wasn't misreading it it's for real well and, it makes uh, sense i mean uh, he, he sounds like he just laid it out so clear with the science behind it and uh the, the price i mean you can't go wrong for the price yeah i mean, uh, I, mean I mean there's there so many of these things i've i've looked into a cool glove that supposedly um Cools your uh, all the cools the heat of your body when you're working out. Supposedly increases your strength, but that's going for around three hundred and some dollars. Now there's a lot of expensive things. So thirty dollars. I mean, if you're halfway serious about anything. Yeah, and the other thing that's kind of made me say, "Oh, great!" You know, is uh, he mentioned the power lifter thing, and uh, my girlfriend who's going to uh, hook up the football teams with it up in Maine. She's got a, a couple sons who do powerlifting, and they were the ones that got her into the football program because they did football in high school. Now they're graduated, and they're doing powerlifting. So <laughs> got another couple clients there lined up for this guy. So I'm excited to really find out. Uh, and that's the number one sport where you could really find out. Uh, does it really increase your power 17%? I mean, that's all you deal yep. with is weight, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to find out if that really works for him. We'll get him one and see it. But uh, look for that on our blog. We'll definitely be writing about it. And uh, I'll, you know, maybe show a, a sparring session or something with me using it. I didn't really spar too hardcore um, with it when I was up in Maine. But, <clears throat> you know, at this event on uh, April 1st, if I get out there, we'll have something about it. Better report by then. Uh, we got a couple other stories to deal with. Um, we talked a little bit. Uh, we got a little bit on uh, Nate Diaz before we came on the uh, interview there. But um, another guy who has had a lot to say about uh, Nate Diaz's paydays is uh, Rory McDonald, who is about to be a free agent. Could end up being uh, one of the next guys to go to Bellator. Uh, but uh, he's pretty much said that he's happy for Nate, but... Uh, you know, he's uh, seen a couple of his fight numbers before, and he was pissed. It's like, how is the guy making that kind of money? 
he says, I feel the same way about my fights, too. Sometimes I look at the numbers and I'm like, what the fuck, man? How am I getting paid that? So when you hear something like that, it makes you happy for martial artists. Uh, because Diaz did make $500,000 for his win over McGregor. Uh, but before that, he made 15000 to show and 15000 to win for beating Gray Maynard. Then before that, it was 16000 in a loss to Rafael Dos Anjos and 20 and 20 for beating Michael Johnson. Um, and it had been rumored that he was given a large signing bonus to balance out the low fight purses. But uh, wow. McDonald's doesn't think that's enough. He says it's definitely becoming a main issue in our sport as far as the numbers, uh, fight pay. Guys really want to see themselves get paid. They understand that this isn't forever and there's no pension after this or anything like that. You've got to make your money while you're in it. So it's a hot topic now. Uh, <clears throat> pretty interesting stuff, but he's, I think he's very likely to go over to, uh, Bellator. I don't think, he, uh, you know, once you start talking like that and getting the goat of the organization by criticizing them, you're going to go to the negotiating table with one foot out the door already. <laughs> it's just how it goes in those situations. And, and they don't, uh, they don't really like that themselves, the brass of the UFC. They've, They've come out against guys like, um, um, case in point, uh, Brendan Schaub came out about the Reebok deal and started talking smack about the Reebok deal. Well, what does Dana White do? He comes right out and starts talking smack about Brandon Schaub. And uh, <laughs> Brandon Schaub will never fight in the UFC again, according to him, because uh, he does not want to wear the Reebok gear. <clears throat> But um, another guy, another, some boxing stories too. Uh, former world champion Zab Judah in trouble again, uh, suspended by yeah, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, and there was kind of a mystery. They, they didn't really say what for at the beginning when they said this whole card was canceled. It was supposed to be at a place called the D in Las Vegas. They had the Las Vegas mayor out there and everything, and and all kinds of hoopla leading up to this event. I put out about six blogs on it. Then come to find out it's canceled, the whole damn thing, because um, these people that were behind it, including Zab Judah and uh, Roy Engelbrecht, the promoter, were both suspended over providing the commission with false licensing documents. And, of course, it's a personal issue because it all stems from, apparently, child support, uh, which we know... Uh, Antonio Tarver's been dealing with our other former guest uh, had to give up the Range Rover or some shit like that <laughs> recently. His mother was all pissed off, um, but yeah, he's not making a lot of money, and they're trying to get all kinds of child support from him. And this is uh, one thing on top of another for Judah because he keeps trying to have fights, and they keep getting called off for one reason or another. And um, he was supposed to face Josh Torres in a ten-round junior welterweight fight. In the main event here at this card, and uh, supposed to be the first of eight in this series as well. So they not only they fuck up one card, but they fuck up the whole series over this uh, paperwork issue. Um, and uh, it's a pretty big mess. <clears throat> but uh, there's obviously some kind of pending litigation, which is why they haven't uh, come out and publicized the reasoning behind this. But it has come out that. Basically, Zab Judah did not report uh, that he owes child support. So, 
Super Deadbeat is his new nickname. No. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, another bad black eye for the sport uh, happened in the heavyweight division over the weekend. Or not over the weekend, but over the last week when we didn't have our show. Um, we had um, Australia's first heavyweight ch champion quickly became the first champion to be busted for drugs. <laughs> Uh, Clen Buterol. I don't know. I know know if either of you guys have ever heard of that, but uh, apparently it's supposed to be. Uh, it's basically like um, an inhaler, I think. It's, it's what's same shit that's in an inhaler. Yeah, that, was, that was kind of a good thing in the nineties. You don't hear about it too much anymore. And it came out. Yeah, of I, I, remember, I remember hearing something like Buterol, and I was like, "Yeah, isn't that like a nasal thing?" Yeah, and it's. Uh, is used as it says in here in the article. Clenbuterol is used as a metabolism booster as part of a fat burning process. So it's kind of like uh, you know the the, the uh, steroid that the MMA guys keep getting popped for. That's supposed to be used in weight cutting cycles. Um, I forget the name of it offhand, but it's I think it's what uh, what uh, Cyborg Chris Cyborg there got busted for. The last bust she had. But uh, Brown has a right to request a B sample, but that's got to be done at his own expense. He had, uh, this is Lucas Brown, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned the name of the fighter. He had uh, a win over Ruslan Chagayev on March 6th. It was a 10-round victory, TKO. And uh, obviously that's going to be put into question now. We'll have to watch out for that, see if uh, he gets cleared or not. Of course, he's denying it up and down. But uh, I don't know how far he's going to get with that. As I mentioned, uh, UFC Fight Night 85 happened over the weekend. We had um, Mark Hunt put on a great performance in front of the hometown fans there. And uh, took out Frank Mir pretty handily in the main event. We had the co-main event. Uh, Neil Magny had quite the comeback against Hector Lombard. He had a Neil Magny had a rough first round. Lombard used his power and strength to uh, you know keep him close enough to land good punches. And then in the second round, Neil started to find his range, use his reach, and it was a different fight. All of a sudden, Hector actually should have, in many people's eyes, been uh, called done in the second round but they let it go to the third and uh 46 seconds in neil was on top in uh in a triangle choke with him mounted uh and just raining punches on hector and that was it for the ref but uh Steve yeah that, that referee was definitely not in the uh, quick stoppage club uh, yeah. that's for sure <laughs> I and I, you know I, I can uh, sympathize with people who jump down the ref's throat but i mean we've had refs on the show before we had one this year earlier this year um, uh, McDonald there. So, I mean, everybody's going to have a situation where they can say, well, ref didn't do the right thing there. But I thought if you watch this fight intently enough and you listen, if you're listening, you, you can hear the ref ask Hector to show him something. Yeah. Every single time you could think, all right, well, maybe he should stop it here. The ref is talking to him and he's responding. So, in that case, I mean, you have to give it to the fighter. You have to give the warrior spirit a chance to 
have his comeback, you know, um, because he's not, he didn't look woozy. I mean, he, he didn't have, obviously, a good look at his eyes the whole time because he was face down for a lot of it, but Hector is fighting back. He's trying to squirm out of it. He's putting his hands by his head uh, the whole time that he's getting his head beat in, and, and Neil is not really throwing bombing punches either. Right. He's right. basically I'll using his like reach. So Magny really kept his cool in that first round. Yeah. I mean, he, he showed patience. He showed poise. Because the first round with Hector Lombard, is, that's <laughs> the Mike Tyson of MMA in that first round. And uh, hasn't really had uh, hasn't had a, a really good run in the UFC. He's he's run up into some some real hurdles. He's had some good fights. He's had some bad fights, but. Um, Definitely not what a lot of people expected him to be. That's for damn sure. And uh, Neil Magny wasn't expected to do that well against him, I don't think. And just totally dismantled him the third round. It was over. Uh, and then you have the other situation where we talk about a lot. Um, maybe Hector needs the mouthpiece, right? <laughs> yeah. The power position. It's a lot of those uh, situations with guys that are muscle-bound. Uh, it's like uh, not only does the reach get affected, but they're a gas. It's like uh, Shane Carwin versus uh, Brock Lesnar. Yep. You get all that uh, activity in those muscles, the lactic acid builds up, and then you just become helpless. Kimbo Slice, perfect example. Uh, against Dada, he could barely throw that uh, feather right hand that knocked out Dada. <laughs> Big arms get very heavy. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's one thing for wrestling when it's fake, but when, when this is for real and you go out there and you're trying to beat another guy, Neil isn't, doesn't look very strong. He's tall and wiry, but, uh, you know, he's got that fast twitch muscle uh, that is much different than the muscle that's there for bulk and looks, which is what Hector really has. His arms are just really too big for his body, too. I mean, proportionate-wise. I mean, the guy's five foot nothing. <laughs> He's got arms like a giant. So, uh, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think it's a good idea to walk around like that as a fighter. <clears throat> uh, so, and, but I don't know what you can do about that once you've already got that kind of body. You can't really go back, right? You can't really change that too much. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, Hector... Uh, might have to change his game or his workout routine or something to uh, fix that issue, stop himself from gas. Well, up. and then then maybe he could slow the pace down. But you know, a lot of times the fighter's DNA is it is what it is. Right. And a lot of those guys that just charge out like that, if he would change his style too much, he may not be as effective. Uh, the best example of a boxer that could do that was George Foreman. Remember his second career compared to his first career, he had uh, learned patience and that served him quite well. But in his early days, there was just no holding back anything. Right. We also had Jake Matthews win a uh, pretty exciting third round uh, victory there over Johnny Case. Came in with a rear naked choke with just 15 seconds left in the fight. Got the win there. Uh, these, uh, these are the ones I fell asleep for, of course. Uh, Daniel Kelly also beating Antonio Carlos Jr. in the third round, 136 in. That was a TKO. Boy, what, you talk about a comeback there. Yeah. Woo! I read about it, but I didn't I didn't watch that one. Oh, yeah. You, you really missed it because the skill level was just 
uh, in the first round, the Brazilian fighter was doing pretty much what he wanted to do, but Kelly hung in there, and Kelly's uh, stand-up was certainly not textbook, but it was effective, and it was just sheer toughness. And we had, uh, I did see Steve Bossy knock out James Tahuna, much to the dismay of the crowd, who was there for Tahuna. There's a beautiful knockout punch there in the first round. Just short of a minute in, 52 seconds. It's a pretty nice punch there. And then uh, Beck Rawlings had a unanimous decision win over Sohi Ham. And a very sloppy fight from what I saw, but... You know, Beck uh, was able to use her tools a little bit better than uh, he Ham, and uh, Ham just really didn't have a lot of power. I mean, she was a southpaw too, so I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a traditional fight for Rawlings, but she did use a little bit more wrestling, and Ham was pretty much kickboxing all the way, almost the entire fight. That's really the best skills she showed. But it was uh, it was an entertaining opener. Then we had uh, Alan Joban. Knocked out Brendan O'Reilly with some elbows and punches in the first round. 2.15 in. That fight ended. Fifth fight of the night. Dan Hooker beat Mark Edeva by guillotine choke submission. Also in the first round at the 1.24 mark. Leslie Smith beat Rin Nakai by unanimous decision in the fourth fight of the night. Viscardi Andrade beat R Richard Walsh by unanimous decision in the third fight. Ross Pearson beat Chad Laprise by split decision. And first fight of the night, Alan Patrick Silva Alves beat Damian Brown by unanimous decision. And uh, this weekend, it's pretty quiet. We have one big event, uh, World Series of Fighting 30. And that's uh, David Branch versus Clifford Starks in the main event there. <coughs> Just going to wait for Sure Dog to load it here. Get over it. Okay, so Branch is 17 and 3. Clifford Starks is 13 and 2. This is coming from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino out there in Vegas. Um, April 2nd is this card actually, so it'll be next weekend. <coughs> but uh, John Fitch is the co main event. He's fighting Jao Zeferino. Fitch is 27 and 7 with one draw, and Zeferino is 20 and 7. We also have Vinny Magalhaes, 13 and 7, fighting Jake Hewn, 9 and 4 on this card. Abu Azaitar, 11, 1 and 1, fighting Danny Davis Jr., who's 11, 10 and 1. And we got Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, who's 11 and 1, fighting Matthew Frinsu, who is 7 and 1. And Gil Guardado, 5-1, fighting Steve Cazola, 6-0-0. Oh, no. The rest of we won't bother to go over the preliminary guys there. And we got some big boxing matches coming up this weekend. But first, we're going to do something we used to do all the time every week, the mismatch of the week. It's happening tonight, actually, <laughs> probably right now as we speak. Uh, although, I don't know, Thursday, if it's Hungary, Thursday might be already passed. It's coming from Budapest, Hungary at the Gentleman Fight Club Boxing House. I don't know if this is too gentlemanly, but the main event is Laszlo Hubert. His record is 43-18-1 at cruiserweight. 
And he's fighting Tibor Kalos, whose record is one and two. One and two. Three, yeah, well, three well, yeah, fights. Yeah, Yes. <laughs> Only three fights. Yeah, well, against... at least Tibor has fewer losses than his opponent. Let's look at the bright side. Three he's fights against 62. 62 fights experience against three fights. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the mismatcher was paying attention. Uh, the matchmaker, I should say, not the mismatcher. <laughs> That's what his new nickname is going to be, the mismatcher. That's pretty ridiculous. Uh, down in Argentina, it's a pretty interesting main event uh, on a card down there tomorrow night. Uh, Samson Boxing is promoting this one. Uh, Guido Nicholas Pitto. He has 20, 20 wins, 3 losses, and 1 draw at Super Welterweight, fighting Dario Fabian Puchetta, who is 20 and 3. And the uh, there's a Jesus fight of the week on that card, too, for a belt. Juan Jose Velasco is undefeated at 10 and 0, fighting Guillermo de Jesus Paz, who is 25, 27, and 4. It's for the vacant WBA Fedable Super Welterweight title. That's a new one. Fedable. Whatever the heck that means. So, uh, all the. By the way, too, uh, instead of Florida next year, Tony, you're going to go to Cuba, you think? <laughs> you never know with me. Um, I kind of like Florida. They know me there. Cuba um, and a lot of attention lately. If that's what's happening, I'm making on the Cuba. <laughs> also on Friday, we got some showbox stuff going on. We got uh, Regis Progress at Super Lightweight fighting Aaron Herrera on Showtime from uh, Buffalo Run Casino in Miami, not Florida, Oklahoma. Miami, Oklahoma. Uh, that's a super lightweight fight. Uh, Herrera's 29-4-1. Progress is 16-0. We also got Willie Nelson. Not that Willie Nelson. The other one. He is 24-2-1. Uh, fighting Jonathan Batista, who's 15-8 at super welterweight. And we got two undefeated fighters going at it at welterweight. Ivan Golub is 10-0. Marlon Aguas is 9-0. And, and if you're wondering... One thing I would say about Willie Nelson... Um he would be the perfect fighter to fight in the other guy's hometown. That way, before he fight, he could say he was on the road again. <laughs> there you go. Another fight uh, between undefeated guys on this card at super lightweight is for a title, the vacant WBC United States super lightweight title. It's Ivan Baranchik, 9-0, fighting Nicholas Givhan, who is 16-0-1. And interesting angle on this next fight. Justin DeLoach at Super Welterweight. He's 13-1. We'll be fighting Dylan Cook, who's undefeated at 16-0. But DeLoach has somebody very interesting in his corner. Somebody we've had on the show, uh, Paul Williams, Jr. All right. And uh, Paul is uh, wheelchair-bound these days, but uh, he's getting back into coaching. So uh, he can help Justin DeLoach. And uh, it's been a big story in the news this week that... Uh, that Paul is coming back into boxing in this capacity, so we'll see how he does. We'll be rooting for Justin on this card. And then we've got uh, Oscar De La Hoya Golden Boy Promotions card coming up tomorrow from California. 
The main event there is Antonio Orozco, 23-0 at welterweight, fighting Miguel Acosta, who's 29-8-2. And, and uh, speaking of Cuba, we got Fidel on this card, too. <laughs> Andrew Cancio, 16-3-2 at super featherweight, will be fighting Hugo Fidel Cazares, who is 48-2. 40 wins, 8 losses, 2 draws. Experience versus youth, maybe on that one. Then we've got uh, Keandre Gibson, 14-0-1 at welterweight, fighting Jeremy Bryan, who's 17-6. And, and then we go to Saturday's big fight. We're gonna go to the next page over here. To the big Saturday fights. The big one is uh, Andre Ward fighting this weekend. <coughs> Sullivan Barrera. Yeah, um, you know, Andre's getting back in the swing of things now. And, you know, they're talking about matching him up with uh, Sergey Kovalev in the near future, which is definitely interesting. You know, you got to come back and knock that rust off. And uh, Barrera is undefeated at 17 and 0. But this is light heavyweight, and Andre Ward is still a little bit new to that uh, weight class. So we'll see how that goes for him. It's the main event there on HBO. It's going to be Saturday night from the uh, Oracle Arena out there in Oakland, California. And it's promoted by uh, Rock Nation is Andre Ward's people, so Jay-Z and Beyonce will be there probably. But uh, Joseph Diaz is in the co-main event against Jason Velez for the NABF featherweight title. Uh, there's only one defeat among the two of them. Joseph is 19-0. Velez is 23-1-1. And we got a hooker fighting too. Maurice. Maurice Hooker. 19-0-2 at Super Lightweight, fighting Wilfredo Buelves, who is 17-5-0. And uh, talk about experience versus youth. How about this one? Daniel Franco coming in at 12-0-3 at Featherweight, fighting German Mraz, who is 52-37-1. So almost 100 fights right there. 90 fights. Pretty crazy. And uh, there are a couple fights worth mentioning uh, going on in the UK. Kel Brook is in action. Among some other fighters we'll get to in one second here. Here we go. Yep, Kel Brook is the main event in Sheffield, Yorkshire. Uh, promoted by Eddie Hearn. He's fighting the busier guy. Kevin Busier. 25 and 2. Cal is 35 and 0 at welterweight. This is for the IBF World Welterweight title. Co-main event is Luke Campbell, 12 and 1 at lightweight, fighting Gary Sykes, who's 28 and 4, for the vacant Commonwealth British Empire lightweight title. And we got heavyweights David Allen, 8 0 and 1, fighting Jason Gavern, who is 27 20 and 4. And uh, another card over in the United Kingdom from uh, Wembley Arena in London. Nick Blackwell fighting 
Chris Eubank Jr. at middleweight for the BBB of C British middleweight title. Nick is 19-3-1. Eubank Jr. is 21-1. And, and then we've got uh, Tyson's brother, Huey. Huey Fury at heavyweight, 18-0. and 0. He's fighting Dominic Gwynn, who is 35-10-1. and 1. Don't you Yeah, man. I remember seeing Dominic Gwynn take down in Rainy City like 13 years ago. <laughs> and Daddy Wood three number card. All right. He's been around. That's pretty much it for the big boxing matches. We're right here at 10 o'clock. Last week, we didn't get a chance to go down to um, fights in Philadelphia. And it was a good thing. To look at, I, I, we talk, people talk about, oh, boxing's dying. It's a dying sport. Nobody's watching it anymore. They had a local card in Philadelphia last week. Um, Russell Park Promotions, Hall of Famer, along with Dan Boxing, Brittany Rogers. And um, Jesse Hart from Philadelphia, he fought on the Mayweather Pacquiao on the card last year, undefeated, uh, getting ranked, possibly in the line for a world title shot. And those seats were sold out two weeks ago. Standing room tickets were sold out a couple of days before the event. They said there was not a ticket that you could purchase unless you got it from the scalper. Mm -hmm. um, and that's good for the sport of boxing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Jesse was winning, um, you know, I don't know if it was handling, but he was definitely ahead, uh, last round. He did get rocked, he did get knocked down, but he did get up and he did, um, you know, survive and, you know, win the decision. All right. Uh, we also had our buddy Roy Jones Jr., former guest of ours, had a fight over the weekend. Uh, 47 years yes, old. Uh, stopped a guy that uh, won a contest to fight Roy. Tony didn't get enough yeah. votes. Right, Tony? <laughs> yeah, we was uh, old my little friend. When he first found out about it, he called me up and said, I want you to train me. I want you to train me. I want you to train me. I want to, train me. I want to take a shot for 100 grand. I said, okay. This is a friend of mine that never even had an amateur fight. You know, but I grew up with the kid. He was laughing about it. Um, but, you know, I, I think the guy he took on was like a level-level martial artist. But remember, they're fighting with boxing rules. Right. And that favorite, the ding-ding-ding boxer. <laughs> and it was a guy that, you know, maybe had some amateur fights, but I don't think he had any professional contest. And he, you're going up against the guy, yes, while well, he's well past his prime, Roy Jones, well past his prime, is still an amazing athlete. And still is going to beat a lot of lower-level guys. He's not going to be the top guys anymore. He's not even really going to beat the contenders anymore. But a person that's not a real boxer, <laughs> he's going to annihilate. They actually compared it in this one article on the SweetScience.com to 46-year-old uh, Archie Moore fighting Iron Mike DiBiase. The father of the multi-million dollar man said DiBiase, by the way. Yeah. Um... It was March 15th, 1963. It was also in Phoenix, Arizona. Same place where this fight took place. And it's, uh, it ended up being uh, Archie Moore's very last fight, period. Even though it was kind of a setup. Yeah. So the, uh, <laughs> the article's author here says, uh, In retirement, uh, Moore worked with disadvantaged youth in his adopted home of San Diego. And when George Foreman was plotting his comeback, he sought out Archie Moore to help him. 
And uh, they actually mentioned that he retained his medical, his mental faculties to the very end, which is an encouraging sign for Roy Jones. And they use the fact that that was his last fight as a hint to tell Roy, hey, this should be yours, too. <laughs> So, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, something to brag a whole lot about, beating a 33-year-old MMA fighter with a 7-2 record, making his professional boxing debut. But uh, we were actually going to have on um, John Shattuck. We were trying to get on uh, a couple weeks ago. And he was one of the people who was trying to get that fight with uh, Roy but. I didn't think his chances were good, seeing as uh, he could probably beat Roy <laughs> on a good day. Uh, well, yeah, he obviously handpicked this guy. You know, he says it was uh, Facebook votes that got him the, the fight, but he didn't win his hundred grand, um, and it doesn't uh, doesn't have any uh, indication what exactly he was paid. Uh, it's proprietary information, I guess. But the author of the article says it would be a fair guess that it was a ham sandwich <laughs> that he was paid. But I don't know. Uh, you know, Roy is big news now over there in uh, Moscow. He's uh, he's made a deal with uh, Putin. He's, he's a Russian citizen. So God knows they could put a bunch of fights together for him over there that uh, would lure him out of retirement if he decides to retire. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm sure he can handpick a bunch of opponents without having a contest <laughs> for this next fight. But, yeah, it was a whole gimmick thing anyway, and it uh, actually created some controversy with uh, Dan Severn was supposed to uh, have a M MMA fight with uh, Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock pulled out of it. So Dan was none too happy about that. Well, I bet. But other than that, that's about it for our show this week. And uh, we'll work on trying to get another guest for next week. I'll give uh, give our buddy Boom Boom Mancini another call. Maybe we'll get him on. That'd be Try cool. him a little bit to uh, see if he's not busy anymore with all his hoopla. Yeah, I guess we just kind of picked the wrong time <laughs> for him. <laughs> his fame is at a crescendo. But, uh, yeah, we'll try him a couple more times. I, I never tried the office number either, so maybe I'll catch him off guard and get him at the office. Oh, good morning. Good. Right. Thank you. All right, guys. So adios for okay. now, and uh, we'll see you next week. Next week, all right? All right. Until next week. Gentlemen, have a nice weekend. Hasta la vista, baby. Bye-bye.